Hi there, and welcome to Semester 7, Episode 5 of the Ivy Wise Just Admitted podcast, where former deans and directors of admission give expert insight into the complex college admissions process. This season, we're cracking the code, translating common admission speak. This means we'll be decoding and defining some commonly used admissions language and terms. I'm Tasha, your host. I'm an admissions counselor at IvyWise, a former international admissions officer at USC, and former assistant director of international admissions at Boston University. My guest today is Jenny. She's a former associate director of admissions at Washington University in St. Louis, and of course, an IvyWise counselor. Hi, Jenny. Hey, Tasha. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. And I'm really glad to be here with you guys. So glad to have you, Jenny. So today we're going to be defining two terms in order to answer our question for the day. What's the difference between test optional and test blind? Okay, so I know that this is a big topic um, and we've been talking about this a lot in the last couple of years. Um, So we just want to make sure we're all on the same page about this. So first, Jenny, what kinds of tests are we even talking about? Yeah, so... For tests, we're talking about college entrance exams, like the SAT and the ACT, which are two standardized tests that are widely used for college admissions in the United States. Awesome. Yeah. So we at at Just Admit It just always like to kind of start from the very, very beginning, uh, not taking for granted that anyone um, has any prior knowledge, especially if you're... um, younger or it's your first child as a parent and you're just 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 starting to kind of dig into what this all means. Of course, we're talking about standardized tests for college entrance and typically that's the SAT and ACT. So then we have these terms that have um, you know always existed in some capacity, you know, since these tests have been around, uh, but that have started to get used much, much more often and become much, much more common uh, since 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic kind of changed so, so many things in our lives, including uh, the way that college admissions happens and, and just kind of the whole process. So starting with that first term, test optional, Jenny, can you help me define that term? Yeah. And Tasha, I love how you framed it um, because I think as students are exploring different colleges to apply to, yeah, they hear those terms, test optional, test blind. Um, And by understanding, I think what those terms really mean, right? I think students can really build a better college list and improve their chances of finding a school that's really a perfect fit for them. Um, But I do think, yeah, unfortunately, there are, you know, students that don't know what those terms mean. And that's really understandably um, so that they don't understand. And so, you know, to to kind of like dive into those two terms specifically, test optional is when a school or a program has a process, uh, obviously that's test optional. And what that means is the applicant really gets to choose whether or not they want to submit their SAT or ACT scores. So in other words, it's it's up to the student whether they think their scores will add or detract from their application, but a lack of scores is not going to count against them. Now, if a student does choose to send their test scores to a test optional school, the admissions committee 
is going to consider them when they're making their decisions. If a student chooses not to send their test scores, the admissions committee is going to put more weight on the other pieces of their application. So the student is going to want to make sure that the other parts of their application are strong and really effectively highlight their strengths. I really love how you put that, Jenny. Um, I, I think we're just going to keep complimenting each other throughout for the way we put things. <laughs> uh, but the way that you kind of explained how, um, you know, if if one thing is not there, then of course everything else needs to be given a, a bit of a closer look, uh, and vice versa. You know, if if there's a more complete application, so to speak, or if there are more variables uh, given, then the school is able to uh, kind of piece together with more information. It's really all about just kind of how much information does a school have uh, to evaluate an applicant? Um, it's not necessarily for better or worse, but we'll talk a little bit more about kind of how that breaks down in the admissions process and at different schools, kind of depending on level of selectivity. Um, okay, but before we do that, <laughs> going back again to square one of just defining these terms. So that was talking about test optional, uh, but then we have this other term, which is test blind. So just by hearing that, you probably start to get a sense of what that might mean. But Jenny, when did this term kind of um, start getting used so commonly? And, and, and what do we mean when we say test blind? Yeah, so test blind um and it's sometimes also called test-free. You might hear those terms interchangeably used. It is different from test-optional. So at test-blind schools or programs, scores are not considered under any circumstances. So students, of course, can still send their test scores if they want to, but the scores are not going to be considered as part of their application, even if they're perfect scores, right? Uh, it, by sending your scores to a true test-blind school, those scores will still not be a part of their review process. And that really is the main difference between test-blind and a test-optional school. Okay, that's super helpful to just really break down kind of what that main difference is. Okay, and so as I said, to kind of start off this conversation, uh, these are terms that have always kind of been in certain schools uh, part of the conversation, but have only become uh, quite common in college admissions in the last few years. Um, and so I would love to kind of just get a little bit of a, of a history of, you know, what has gone on for anyone who is just starting to pay attention to college admissions uh, and, you know, wasn't like us paying close, close, close attention to the news and all of the de developments in the last few years. Kind of what has gone on to to make this such a hot topic? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, you know, test optional has always kind of been there a little bit more in the background, but I think ever since the pandemic hit, that's really when test optional has become much more in the limelight. And so something that I think might help students understand is what's the motivating reason that some of these schools are going test optional. And for many schools that have gone test optional over the last few years and not requiring SAT or ACT scores, the main goal of that is to fulfill the goal of greater access. So well-qualified students, students who you know are 
killing it in their classes with all A's, strong rigor, et cetera, but who may have been discouraged from applying to a certain school because they did have lower test scores. Um, and so now that schools are going more test optional and students feel a little bit more freedom to not submit their scores, that does open up a wider range of institutions that those students can apply towards. And I think that greater access piece is one of the main reasons why so many schools these days have gone test optional. And I think it's also a part of the holistic review process. In the U.S., most of the uh, colleges in the United States use a holistic review process. And what that means is that there's more to students than just their test scores, right? You're more than just a number. And colleges really recognize that and they acknowledge it. So with this holistic review process, right, there's the transcript, there's the essay, the recommendation letters, activities that you're involved in, your interview potentially, demonstrated interest, among other things to determine emissions. And I think uh, for schools that are going test optional, they're really seeing the, the comprehensive overview of a student, that they are more than just a certain score that they get on a certain day taking an exam. Um, one thing too, I was just going to also add is, uh, you know, what schools are not test optional, right? There are some that are not test optional. And while there are currently, I would say over 1300 schools-ish that are test optional, there are some notable colleges that I just wanted to share that are not test optional. So those include the test blind schools. So test blind, as we just talked about, are the schools that don't consider your test score under any circumstance. Right now, test-blind schools include the University of California system institutions. So that includes Berkeley, UCLA, Irvine, Santa Cruz, so on and so forth. Um, also, Caltech is a another institution that's also currently test-blind. Other notable colleges that are test-blind are Reed College and also three colleges at Cornell. Um, which include the Agriculture and Life Sciences College, Architecture, Art, and Planning, and Cornell's SC Johnson College of Business. And so that's just a sampling of some of the test-blind institutions out there. On the other end, there are schools, though, that do require test scores. And those right now um, include MIT, Georgetown, Georgia Tech, University of Georgia, the Florida publics that comprise the state university system of Florida. So there's about 12 of them that include the University of Florida and University of South Florida. Purdue is also a school that now requires test scores and also the military academies. So one thing that I think is important to know is that these policies can change from year to year. Um, so I do recommend that if you're listening to our podcast and you're a student who's going to apply next year, for example, that you just do your due diligence and double check the test policies at your schools and programs to make sure that nothing has changed. Absolutely. I think that's that's so true in general. Uh, 
with for college admissions. I know that as as admissions counselors and as counselors at Ivy Wise, we're constantly saying it depends. Check the school website. Speak to the uh, admissions counselor at that school for your for your high school, etc. Uh, just because there often is no one black and white answer. There's so much variability from school to school, but also from year to year at a particular school. Um, I also wanted to to add Jenny, and that was that was very comprehensive. But but yes, I think thinking about you know the changes that have gone on in the last few years. Uh, Of course, you know, in the 2020-2021 application cycle, the vast, vast majority of schools, in fact, pretty much had to go test optional uh, from a uh, access and, and kind of just justice perspective and that so many students didn't have access to the test, right? So many test states were canceled, uh, especially abroad. But then, uh, a majority of schools, um, you know, especially talking about some of the highly selective universities in the U.S., uh, decided to remain test optional for the following year and then even the following year. And now we're on year. Are we on year four? No, I guess we're on year three. Three, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, there are some schools who have actually since gone ahead and made uh, commitment commitments to remain test optional over a large a longer period of time and kind of the most notable of those is Columbia University uh, in New York City so I just wanted to add that there are some schools that are kind of taking this as an opportunity to reflect and and think about you know how standardized testing has been a part of their process and how it may or may not continue to be a part of that process and as Jenny mentioned you know it, it often comes from that access perspective. You know, if if the test isn't required, then that's another variable that um, is being removed or a potential obstacle that is being removed for some students. Um, okay, so if a school is test optional, Jenny, do they prefer that students submit tests? And this is a question we get all the time. Students think to themselves, all right, well, if I can submit the tests, Shouldn't I submit the tests? What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, you you hit it on the nail that we get that question all the time from our students. And how I have been counseling my students is that, yes, in some cases, there are going to be some colleges that actually articulate a preference through one of their publications uh, that they do want to see scores. And so some of the ways that they kind of articulate that preference sometimes is a little bit like muddled, but it can be a statement on their website where it says something to the effect of, hey, these tests, they can be evidence of academic achievement outside the context of an applicant's school. Or another statement that I've seen is, uh, something to the effect of test scores can reflect academic preparedness in a broader context. So sometimes when you can look on a college's website and read between the lines of their testing policies, you can sometimes gather that, hey, they're really trying to give me that signal that submitting my scores can actually potentially be beneficial um, in certain situations. Um I think, though, sometimes it's helpful to understand if a college is kind of articulating a preference for standardized tests, what's kind of like the motivating reason why they're, you know, putting that out there, trying to get those scores from students. 
And one thing that I think is driving some schools to have that preferential, you know, uh, you know, preference for uh, standardized tests is that during the pandemic, right, when everything just shut down so quickly, um, you know, during that time frame, and even coming out of the pandemic, there ended up being a lot of grade inflation in the United States. And so when colleges see a transcript, and they start noticing that there are students from a particular high school, for example, that are taking the same super impressive sounding courses and getting good grades, a college might scratch their head and think, well, is that student truly having the skills that they need to succeed in college level courses? Um, Do the grades actually reflect their true abilities? And so if a college has any question about that, I think that's a situation where they're going to now lean into the test scores, especially when they start seeing transcripts that are just universally outstanding from a certain high school. So that's one reason why I think some colleges might make a preference for standardized tests. Um, I also, though, think that while Many schools right now are test optional. Optional does still mean strongly recommended. I think the one caveat to that is that your test scores, if they're below the middle 50% of the admitted students for a school or program, um, that would be the one exception, I think, to submitting your scores. But I do think that it's more beneficial to take the prudent path to err on the side of attaining strong test scores because students I don't think should think about which parts of the application are optional, but rather, okay, I'm gonna be compared with other students, you know, from my same high school with a similar profile. What are they going to be submitting as a part of their strengths? Oftentimes those students are gonna be submitting strong test scores. So when you think about it that way, I think it makes it that much more imperative to be preparing to take the standardized tests and to do well in them. For sure. And and I will just add, uh, you know, another kind of very common question we get from students or we've been getting from students in the last few years related to uh, that question about, isn't it better to submit tests, uh, is a question around kind of probability or, you know, am I more likely to be admitted if I do submit tests? Well, of course, the answer to that question is going to vary on, you know, how selective that school is, what their middle 50% is, what your scores are, and what the rest of your application looks like, right? Uh, But there are some colleges and universities that do actually uh, post publicly available data about the percentage of students that they're admitting Uh, who submitted scores versus students who did not submit scores. So some universities that post that, uh, you'll see that there's actually a pretty big difference. And maybe they're they're admitting a much larger percentage of students who submitted scores than those who did not. Others, there's not as large of a difference. Uh, But, you know, the conclusion that you can draw from that is a little bit murky. So on the one hand, you can conclude, all right, well, if they're admitting more students who submitted scores, that means that I should submit my score. And that means that they prefer the scores. 
On the other hand, you could also conclude the students who are the most likely to submit scores are already going to be really academically talented students anyway, if they, you know, feel confident submitting test scores that are potentially showing that that uh, academic preparedness through through a high score. And so it's usually a little bit of both of those things. Uh, but I bring that up to say that, you know, if you are considering whether or not to submit your score, the number one metric you should be thinking about is whether you fall in that middle 50%, as Jenny said. But then it might also be worth considering, you know, how large that percentage difference is for the school that you're applying to if that data is available uh, from the last application cycle for, for your number one school or whatever school you're considering. Um, because, you know, for some, it, it can really show, all right, I, I should probably have I should should probably try to submit my score uh, if at all possible. All right. Do you have anything to add to that, Jenny? No. And I think that was such a good reminder for our listeners that, um, yeah, absolutely. That is a factor that they need to consider is the percentage of students submitting test scores. And that could actually then give them some good insight about how to move forward in this process. So, yeah, I think that was outstanding to remind our listeners about that. Thanks, Jenny. All right. So then what are some advantages and disadvantages of submitting a test? So I think we've already kind of touched on some of this, but um, let's start with advantages. Yeah. You know, I think the advantages of submitting a test are pretty numerous. Um, You know, a couple examples that I can think of off the top of my head is for a student whose application is really on the cusp, right? Um, Admissions is debating whether that student is someone they want to admit or not. And so having a great SAT or ACT score could actually push that student from that no pile to the admissions officer reconsidering that student and thinking, hey, I'm gonna place that student and that let me think about it pile. So that's uh, one advantage I think to submitting scores is a student on the borderline. Um, I think another advantage for submitting scores is when the scores are more impressive than the high school transcript and the GPA. So. An example I wanted to share is if a student, for example, missed school for a significant period of time, maybe they were sick, they were in the hospital for, you know, three weeks, and their grades declined because they were in the hospital, they weren't in class. A good score in that situation, I think, can sometimes help overcome that grade slide that that student is exhibiting. So that's another, I think, example of a situation where submitting scores would be advantageous. I think another example of submitting scores where it can be beneficial is for homeschool students. If we have any listeners out there who are in homeschool programs, sometimes a homeschool program, they might be unaccredited. And so if you are a homeschool student who's listening and you're a part of an unaccredited program, Do not worry, because I think oftentimes for students in that situation, um, submitting scores can be advantageous to show that you're um, of high academic rigor and caliber. So that's one other reason why I think submitting 
scores could be beneficial. All right. And then what would be some disadvantages uh, of, of submitting scores? Yes. On the flip side, I would say a disadvantage of submitting a test is when the score weakens the student's overall profile. And so how it can actually weaken is if the score just doesn't quite fall within a certain range. So that mid 50% score range that a school or a program publishes for their admitted students. I also think another disadvantage for submitting test scores is if a student is just killing it in their classes, right? They've got a strong transcript, great rigor, high GPA, but they have a low SAT or ACT score. I think in that situation, sending such scores in could actually potentially lower that student's chances of admission. Absolutely. I think that that's a really important final point, Jenny, that, uh, you know, I think kind of historically, uh, you know, there, there are many students who, you know, just do not score well on tests and or specifically on these tests. And, you know, they might do a lot of tutoring, uh, but the standard, the standardization of the test, um, you know, may may just not allow a student to bring their scores up significantly enough for them to be competitive. And so, you know, if they are a really excellent student otherwise and feel confident that they would be able to excel, um, you know, we wouldn't want the score to be kind of that limiting factor. So again, some schools that are test optional allow for that flexibility, others do not. Uh, but absolutely, you know, if the score is is going to weaken the application and is below the middle 50%, that is where it would be a disadvantage to submit the score. Okay, so we've covered a lot on the test optional side, kind of given a bit of a history, talked about um, some of the schools that have maintained the policy and others that have gone back to test required. We've talked about advantages and disadvantages and who should consider submitting their scores versus those who should not. Um, so of course that being students, really all students should try to submit their scores if they are within or above the middle 50% of that school. Um, and anyone who um, is not should probably, should not submit their scores if it's going to weaken their application. But let's go by, back to test blind since this episode is discussing the difference between the two, right? So why would a school be test blind in the first place? Why would a school decide to not even look at tests in the first place? And, and you know, the big, big example that Jenny mentioned is the University of California system, which we have many, many students applying to every year. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm so glad that we're talking about this, right? Because test blind schools, they're not as numerous as test optional schools. And I think, yeah, our viewers there or listeners, sorry, uh, many of them are actually looking at the University of California system. But I think with test blind schools, what they are thinking about their philosophy, for lack of a better phrase, is that they recognize that there are other aspects of your application that can really provide a better picture of you as an applicant. So it goes back to what we just said earlier in our podcast, that you're more than just your scores, right? Scores should not be the limiting factor regarding your chances of getting into 
that particular college. Um, I also think that there are some test blind schools out there that adopted that policy because they have found some biases or some problems, issues with standardized tests, and they take a stance against that. So that's another thing that um, why a school might be going test blind. Um, we already talked about which schools out there right now, some more notable schools that are test blind. But I do think that there are potentially some advantages for students who are looking at test blind schools. So for example, there are sometimes students who, despite all their efforts, they cannot get the testing accommodations for their disability. That would be a situation where then I think that student could actually benefit applying to a test blind school. I also think that test scores oftentimes can correlate with family income. So if a student doesn't have access to tutors or test prep programs, test blind for those students can potentially be an advantage. So um, there, there are some benefits to applying to test blind institutions. I don't know, yeah. Tasha, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, that um, the subject of standardized tests is definitely uh, not one without its controversies. So, you know, I definitely encourage listeners who, who might be interested in kind of learning more about the history of these tests or uh, just kind of the discourse around the tests in general uh, to, to kind of, you know, do your research. There's lots of journalism out there uh, about it. Uh, but that's right. You know, there are certain institutions who take, you know, particular stance uh, kind of against the idea of testing um, only because of some of the reports that have come out, you know, showing um, possible correlations um, just from a social justice lens. On the other hand, you know, there, there's a lot of reason um, that many schools feel that it is a, a useful or even necessary metric for reviewing and uh, understanding their applicants in order to, um, you know, of course, differentiate them, but also standardize um, the way that they're, they're understanding where students are coming from, because, you know, you, you can't necessarily compare um, one high school to another quite as easily as you can compare the same exact test to itself. So, so it's definitely a, uh, not, it's definitely a, a topic that has many opinions out there and we're just kind of here to share, um, you know, what we know as, as experts and as, as former college counselors and as Ivy Wise counselors, uh, to share, you know, what is out there and what has been going on in the last few years. And again, to crack the code on test optional and test blind and what that difference is. So before we close out for today, I just wanted to do a quick recap. So test optional, again, means that uh, students can choose whether or not to submit a standardized test as part of their application. Jenny and I both recommend in general to try to submit a score if at all possible. So to definitely make that a priority in your pre preparation process, uh, but not to submit a score that might weaken your application. So if it is below the middle 50% uh, that has been posted for that school's um, general admission uh, scores. And then finally, test blind are schools that do not look at tests. So even if you were to try to submit it, they would not consider it as part of their application. And often they do that um, so that they can kind of wait 
other parts of your application more heavily and not have that be a part of the process. Did I miss anything, Jenny? No, I think you captured all of the key points. Awesome. So that just about wraps up this episode of Just Admit It. Jenny, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Tasha. I appreciate you having me. Of course. So stay tuned, everyone, for a new episode every other week. Next up, we'll be talking about another part of the application process, one that you can start thinking about as early as eighth grade. What does it mean to build your profile? In the meantime, you can catch up on all of our previous episodes by visiting our podcast page and be sure to bookmark our knowledge base for additional help with navigating the complex and competitive admissions process. If there are any topics you'd like us to cover in the next semester, please email us at podcast at ivywise.com. And don't forget to follow us on socials for more resources on the higher ed landscape. You can follow us at follow ivywise. From IvyWise, I'm your host, Tasha, and this has been Just Admit It. See you next time.